Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. Well, we used to look up in the sky and wonder at our place in the stars. Now you just look down and worry about our place in the dirt. Quite frankly, everybody else has an interest in sending you to the electric chair. I'm Groot. This is Simon Rose in conversation with James Cameron Wilson about the business of film. My temptation always when I hear I'm Groot is say, no, I'm Groot. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Clearly uh, not going to make you laugh, James. Right. So what are we going to begin with? How has the chart been looking? Last week, I recall you were very down on just, you know, the box office take was significantly down on the weekend that was itself significantly down because there was so much sport in it. Well, we've had, of course, uh, the Euro final and we've had Wimbledon and all these big sporting ventures. And of course, and now hot we've got weather. The, uh, well, yes. And then the following weekend, we had the heat wave. Uh, but there was a bit of rain around last weekend, and I'm happy to say that the box office in this country saw an 8.9% rise in attendance, which yeah, is well, very I, exciting. We've except got against, the, against a terrible week, of course. So, yeah. Well, so. okay. Let's get, let's get this into context, Simon. Mm. Last year, the same weekend... Mm. That is an increase of 1,832%. So let's celebrate while we can. And that was when Pixar's Onward was showing at just 140 cinemas. And that only made £60,000 with an appalling 429 per screen average. So... At least 1,832 percent. Uh, excellent. 1,832%. Yes, not often you can say that. Right. And so <laughs> what has been lighting up? What has been lighting up the cinema screens? Well, we've got Black Widow again, which of course was number one last week and the week before, which made 1.4 million pounds, down 22%, but with a total of 13.8 million pounds in the bank, which is more than that achieved by the Incredible Hulk and Captain America, hmm. the first Avenger, in pre-pandemic days. So it's encouraging. And, and, and as we know, cinemas are not allowed to cram people into every seat, even if they wanted to. Well, they can now, can't they? Oh, can they? Oh, can they? Yeah, oh, yeah. sorry, I thought, okay. That's... Not that, I mean, it's the same old, same old with me when I go back to the cinema. It's exactly as it was two years ago, me and a few others. And as the manager has said last time I asked if I could come and see old, she said it would be nice to double the numbers. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's depressing. And in fact, as it happened, I think I was the only person in the cinema. Oh, good grief. And that was the very first showing of old, which was the big new release of last weekend. Oh, well, this sounds terribly depressing. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Black Widow is still number one. 
Yeah, well, back to the chart. At number two, we've got Space Jam, A New Legacy, which was at number two last weekend. But it has gone up 2% with a total now of £3.6 million. And one of the worst films of the year. I don't know many people who have seen it, but those who have agree with me that Hmm. it is dire. Uh, Number three, The Croods, A New Age, which was at number three the previous week, which I thought was not much better. Uh, And yet that jumped up 26% on the previous weekend, bearing in mind, of course, it's a cartoon, Hmm. it's a use certificate, and it is the summer holidays now. But what I failed to mention last week is how violent it is. There's this running gag where these very pointed objects are shoved into eye sockets where the recipient just screams. And there are these horrible monkeys called punch monkeys. And there's this running joke where they sort of batter people around Mm. in the face. And there is so much violence. And I went onto the BBF's site and it did, you know, it cited the site that there was all this violence, but still gave it a use certificate. But I suppose others say, well, Tom and Jerry was always that. Well, oddly enough, I was thinking Tom and Jerry, but Tom and Jerry was never shoving spikes in people's eyes. Well, no, I did find that really disturbing and surprising. Because that sounds reasonably realistic, whereas I think most people, if an anvil falls on you and squashes you, so you suddenly become two-dimensional and then pop back up again soon afterwards, it's, it's funny, not an incitement to drop anvils on people. Uh, and these are real people. These are human beings as well, and yes. not, not sort of cartoon mm. animals. Oh, it's um, quite disturbing. And sadly, of course, I've failed to mention also that it's one of Cloris Leachman's last films before oh. she died. She plays Gran in it. But I'm sorry she didn't go out in a, on a better... Although I think she's got a film coming up where she does have the lead. I'll have to look into that. So I don't... Mm. This is not her last film, but Suddenly it's I... one of... Suddenly I start thinking of Young Frankenstein, which I haven't seen for ages. She wasn't oh, in that, God. wasn't she? Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, perhaps I'll re-watch that sometime soon, just to remind myself how good she was. Okay. Well, we do have a new film at number four, which made £867,000 at 560 screens. Hmm. This is Old, which is directed by M. Knight Shilaman. Oh, right. <laughs> have, you not, have you not liked any of his films? Oh, I did to begin with. Yes, I found some of the early ones intriguing, and I've just become more and more exasperated since. I think I've stopped going to the films unless I know they're going to be decent. I don't believe you've incited me to go and see one for some time, James. Well, I did really like Split. Less so the sequel with Glass, which was a part of his unbreakable franchise. Yes. I, I, he is pretty hit and miss. I will give you that. And unfortunately, old is Miss. Right. Have you, do, do you know what the Face app is? Face app? Face um, app. Don't think so. Okay, it's, a, it's an app on your phone where you can alter how you look. It can beautify you. Oh, I've, I've heard about that. You. Yes, yes. My children and, have used that, yes. Yeah, and uh, some friends of mine recently aged themselves, and it was pretty terrifying. Uh, the husband looked actually quite distinguished, older, mm. and she looked less so. And this kind of reminded me what old is. And it's a horror film about growing old, essentially. And I think horror has touched on so many different aspects. But maybe the most horrifying of all is ageing, because it's happening to more and more of us mm. as the population gets greyer and greyer. 
And I felt this was a really good idea. I think the closest I've seen a film come to this is Michael Haneke's Amour. But that was, do you remember that? Did you see that nine I years do. ago? Yes. Can you it believe it? Very impressive film. With Jean-Louis Trintignant, yes, yes. Emmanuel Riva and Isabelle Huppert. And that was horrifying. But that, that like a number of films, was more about dementia than ageing. And I felt this was a missed opportunity. So we have Vicky Creeps, who you will know from Phantom Thread, and Gail Garcia Bernal right. from a number of terrific Mexican films like Amores Peros, The Motorcycle Diaries, E2 Mama, Tambien, etc. Yes, and also the rather risable but enjoyable TV series, um, uh... Oh, for sorry, it was in my mind a second ago. Uh, Mozart, in, Mozart in the Jungle. Should it's I a, look out for that? Not necessary. It's a TV series okay. about a, a, an American orchestra. It's, okay, it's well, silly but enjoyable. No, no, but he's in that. Okay. They play uh, a couple with kids. He, of course, is endlessly boyish. I mean, he, mm. he's looked the same age ever since he sort of began. That's and true. Yeah. So he's kind of good casting. And they're driving to a resort with two kids in the back. And there are all these little clues about ageing. Uh, and he loves to put in his clues, M. Night Shyamalan. And then we get to the amazing resort. It was shot in the Dominican Republic. And they end up going to a beach because they're special guests with a mm. few others with these special stones, um, which it's got its own kind of ecosystem. And they're there for the day. And then they realize that there's no phone signal, there's no fish, and there's a guy there who's a famous rapper who's got a constant nosebleed. And you I don't, not, I don't want to give away the story, but you suddenly realize that they're aging at a horrific rate. Now, <laughs> I think this is a great idea, but it just doesn't work. And unfortunately, Although I was on my own, I was actually laughing out loud. <laughs> and, when, and when somebody said, the dog's dead, I, I did laugh. <laughs> and Rufus oh, Sewell. What a shame. And, well, I know Rufus Sewell is in there. Again, he, he's sort of eternally young, but he keeps on barking out, I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor. Um, and poor old M. Night Shyamalan, he tries so hard to be scientifically plausible. But it actually turns out to be the funniest film of the week. Um, albeit unintentionally. Well, we have talked before about how we thought there was a period when a lot of movies were so bad they were funny. And I believe that has not happened for a long time. Does this fall into that category? Could you go and treat it as a comedy and have a jolly good laugh? I think or if I'd it... seen it in a packed cinema rather than yeah. just being on my own, yeah. I would have been laughing a lot louder. <laughs> it is quite risible, I'm afraid. Fantastic. How does he keep making films? Because the last, I mean, there's things like um, uh, Signs and the Sixth Sense, I thought were really rather good. I think I started going off him with, the, was it The Village? Was that him? Yeah, but that was quite successful. I think it was the last, what was it called? The Last Airbender. Um, his oh, my goodness. Really, oh, yes, yes. Where he went downhill then. And then he bounced back with Glass and Split. Hmm. So he, he's back. But uh, I old didn't even make a million last weekend so it's not likely he's we will see we will see do you want to dash through the rest of the chart or should we pause here james well we can go on a little bit okay let's go down through the chart then. on the subject of horror at number five we've got the forever purge which was at number three that mm. down 17 percent. but horror is not going to do well in the school holidays number six we've got fast and furious nine which was at number five down a mere 
0.2% for a total of £14.9 million. So far, the sixth highest grossing chapter of the Fast and Furious phenomenon in the UK. And at number seven, we've got a film that I said I was going to review last week because there were four new releases. I didn't get around to see all four, as well as the online releases, called Escape Room Tournament of Champions, which was at six, gone down to seven, down 37%, which I shall review after the break. Okay. Do you want to go do the others down the chart or you want, or you need to wait till after the break for those as well? Okay, let's go. Let's finish the chart. Yeah. Okay, at number eight, we've got Peter Rabbit, which uh, Peter Rabbit 2, which was at number eight. That, brace yourself, shot up 79% with a total of £18.9 million. This is the film that's saving the British film industry. And now, of course, with the holidays, Mm. they're going back to suffer even more i'm talking about the parents Uh, (laughs) i think the children of obviously enjoying it at number nine we've got a quiet place part two which was at number seven down seven percent with a total of 11.4 million pounds but bear in mind the first film which was a huge hit made 12.1 million pounds in the uk so this is no by no means a total disaster it's creeping up on the predecessor in the pandemic which is really good news and and as you know i thought it was a terrific film it's certainly the best film in the chart at the moment and we've got a new film at number 10 called off the rails which is the latest franco nero judy dench movie (laughs) it made at 327 (laughs) uh, venues this is a comedy drama it's actually starring kelly preston jenny seagrove and sally phillips who play 50 something friends who are bequeathed some train tickets after the death of a close friend of theirs on the condition that they take her daughter along for the ride. It didn't get very good reviews. Ben Miller is also in it. I mention him, his name, because he's also the name of the character in the film I'm going to review after the break. And let us pause for breath. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. I'm Simon Rose in conversation regarding the business of film with James. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cameron Wilson. So, James, I think you're going to review Escape Room Tournament of, what was it, Tournament of Champions? Tournament of Champions. All I ask of any film is that I believe what is going on on the screen. I think the (laughs) art of artifice is to successfully aid the viewer to suspend disbelief. I was not a huge fan of Escape Room. I was very shocked when you told me, although I had done a little bit of research, that in fact, these are real things. Oh, yes, have you never done one? Oh, you'd lo- I think you'd love it. They're real things, and even in the pandemic, they were online real things. Yes, I've done one in Oliver Cromwell's original home in Ely, but um, our, our technology editor, Steve Kaplan, who does Gadget and Gizmos, he's a real fan, does them with his kids frequently. Really? 
Yes. I, think, I mean, it, they, don't, they don't have fatal consequences if you don't succeed. Well, no, except for, was it Poland? I think five people died in an escape room. Oh, I And they momentarily that. closed them down. Oh, good gracious. No, I haven't heard that. But I, I think people can die in a public place. It doesn't matter yeah. if it's an yeah. escape room yeah. or it's a yeah. cinema can burn down. Yes. But uh, the lead character is Ben Miller, the mm. uh, character, not the actor. And Zoe, who is our protagonist, who's now in therapy, uh, obviously trying to recuperate mm -hmm. from the previous escape room diversions. And she's now got this paralyzing fear of flying. And they've got the coordinates they've got from a previous puzzle. And although they killed the game player, they want to get to the people behind the games. And they explain at the beginning that there's always been this bloodlust in human nature, going back to ancient Rome when they had sort of the, the gladiators um, mm. being eaten by lions, etc. And there is, of course, the snuff movie. So this is a kind of sore light. So they, they go to uh, Lower Manhattan, Canal Street subway, I noticed. So that would be Lower Manhattan. Mm. To try and confront the people behind the Minus Corporation. And they come up to this sort of typical deserted place, much like the entrance in Men in Black, where you have to walk through and then you find yourself in a parallel world. And they're confronted by a homeless man who snatches Zoe's pendant off her and runs off. This is actually quite significant. At the time, I didn't really take it in. And they chase him through the streets of Manhattan into the subway. And they end up on a subway train just as he gets off. And there's just Ben and Zoe and four others. And the train takes off. They're all quite young, I noticed. And then we realized they're back into an escape room. And I kind of enjoyed it more than the original, partly because I think I knew what to expect. Mm. And it is quite ingenious. But these gamers are amazing. They would just fly through the, the Times cryptic crossword. How they work out these clues on a time limit is quite amazing. And in the event, they find that there are missing letters in all the advertisements in the subway carriage, which represent a coin that they put in an old-fashioned slot machine, which mm -hmm. then releases something, and then they go through the train, and they come into a totally different room, which turns out to be an underground bank, which is completely covered in deadly razor beams. I did feel, I, I was intrigued by how they managed to work everything out, because I do like cryptic, cryptic crosswords, and I do like puzzles. And there was, um, I, I did have a sort of feeling of apprehension while I was watching it, mm -hmm. but never really, I was never really gripped or suspenseful, not like the new Saw film. Yeah. Well, if you like cryptic puzzles, you should try an escape room sometime, because that's really what they are. Well, having seen the two films, Escape Room and Escape Room uh, Tournament of Champions, I think I'd be terrified, Simon. <laughs> Believe me, terror is not the fear. Fear of looking stupid definitely yeah, um, okay. crumbs. Uh, but it's quite interesting because, you know, if there are four, five or six of you, everybody seems to have something to contribute. Different people are better no, I like the some things. aspect yeah. of it. Yes, I, I did really it's like funny. that. But. Though, of course, you can get snippy with people because there is always the, you know, the, the time element. Anyway, what do we, we need to move about? on. And I'd yes. like to talk about the Netflix film of the, the, the week which is called Blood Red Sky. And Simon, I was so excited. It opens in a bustling airport. Oh. 
And I thought, oh, I was just happy just to sit there. And <laughs> Who would have thought we miss we would miss airports? Sort of the most soulless place normally. Okay. I, I, lo- I actually love airports and imagining where people are going and where right. they've come from. Uh, I get a real thrill from them. And I used to fly to America every year, but not anymore. And there are three main characters. There is this beautiful uh, mother who's obviously got some medical problem who's flying to New York to have that resolved. There's her son, uh, Elias, who really knows his science, who's very engaging, a young boy, and he befriends a physicist and they get talking, Farid. And so these are the three main characters. Mm. And I wish I didn't know what the genre of the film is, because you're not really let into the secret until about the second third of the movie. Mm. Obviously, it's a thriller. I, I think I can say that. And that's all I really want to say. But what is extraordinary about the film is it's an Anglo-German film and they speak in English and German, which is very, very unusual, where they don't don't go for the lowest common denominator and get Ray Winston to put on a German accent. (laughs) Yes, yes. So they really speak German and they really speak English. And I like that because it gives it a real edge of authenticity, which you wouldn't normally have. Yes. And this is a genre piece, but it's got the face of something more conventionally nerve shredding. And it does actually address a number of salient issues like motherhood and the mother instinct and, dare I say, the spread of viruses is an important aspect of this film without giving too much away i i was absolutely (laughs) on the edge of my seat literally uh i was completely engrossed by i I would describe it as nerve shredding movie Mm -hmm. and i'm trying not to give anything away and i was I, I did something I never do. I went on to um, the tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes just yes. to see what sort of reception it got, because I didn't know anything about it. Mm. And in fact, I was very pleased to see it's got an 80% rating. Good. Well, it's intriguing sometimes, isn't it? Not not to know about a film that you watch, um, I think is often more pleasurable. And when I was a, a film critic, it was often... No, I've seen Splendid. I try not to read too much in advance. Oh, me too. It's, yeah, it's it makes everything much more pleasurable. Um, it's so, a really good thriller. It's a really good thriller. Fantastic. And I haven't given anything away, I hope. Okay, James. So where, where do we go now? Well, I did actually, you know, I've got this film night I have, uh, and I've got these, I'm mm. teaching film to these children. And I have to say, I didn't realise how old a film called The Haunted House was. It was mm. actually um, made in 1921, believe it or Good not. Good gracious, you're showing silent films. You're playing the piano at the same time. Uh, <laughs> no, there was a score. Uh, anyway, it was so wonderful to mm. see a 14-year-old laughing at something that was made 100 years ago. And in fact, I got so caught up with it, um, I actually introduced the... The Charlie Chaplin. Um, gosh, I've now momentarily forgotten the name. Which one? Which one? Um, what was the plot? <laughs> he ends up in the Yukon. Uh, that's the Gold Rush. Gold, thank you. Yes, the Gold Rush. And, and they were just laughing and cackling. It's one of the most magical sounds in the world, I think, children laughing. And it was just wonderful. And, and I showed uh, Sherlock Jr. 
as well, which is an extraordinary film. Do you know The Haunted House? No, I don't think I do. I shall look it up afterwards. No. I'd obviously Go. seen clips from it, but the whole sequence where Buster Keaton gets a pot of glue stuck oh. on a whole lot of banknotes. No, but I must like have it because I've got the I've got pretty much the complete Keaton short film somewhere, but I've obviously missed that one somehow. Or maybe I've seen it and don't remember what it was called. Okay. Well, it was But I do I adore adore Keaton. It's interesting what you say about the power of, of, of laughter because, of course, one of my favourite films, Sullivan's Travels, uh, is about a, a film director played by Joan McRae who wants With to make worthy films. He's only ever made, you know, popular by movies. Preston Sturgis, the great it Preston is indeed, Sturgis. absolutely, one of my favourite um, filmmakers. And the amazing thing is when he's actually uh, in prison, for reasons I won't go into, he realises as people are watching a comedy and laughing, and these prisoners who've got you know nothing to be happy about, just how important it is to make people laugh. Yeah. But hence yeah. the you know, the film he wanted to make was called Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Hence the name of the Coen Brothers movie. Uh, uh, of course, yes, yeah. yeah. Which, uh, yeah, sadly was not as good as <laughs> as good as uh, Sullivan's Travels. Um, so, James, we have a few seconds left. Was there something else you quickly wanted to say, or are we done for the week? Well, no, it was just, uh, I've been, it's almost like an 84 Charing Cross Road situation here. Mm. Um, me emailing back and forth, Thelma Schoenmacher, oh. who has been writing me these really long emails about my upcoming book in which she is involved. Mm. And can you tell me who directed A Matter of Life and Death? Uh, that was a Pound Pressburger film. Yeah, who directed uh, it? Well, I'm assuming Michael Powell. Well, I, look, I don't know. Okay, who directed The Red Shoes? Well, who? I, I'm not actually sure now. I can even remember which one sat in the director's chair when they were making okay. films. I, well, I thought I it was Powell. I actually did a lot of research on this yes. and a number of reference books. I don't know even if I should name them and shame them. But all talk about Emmerich Pressburger directing these films with Michael Powell. Hmm. And I've had these reference books for years, and I do use them a lot. Hmm. Um, people like Leonard Moulton, yes. who is really well-respected, IMDb and Wikipedia, um, hmm. all say that Emmerich Pressburger directed each and one of these masterpiece, masterpieces, including A Matter of Life and Death. And as Thelma has been saying, no, 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 in all caps, Michael was the sole director of all the Emmerich Pressburger Michael Powell films. And oh. I'm just shocked how many reference books are obviously copying each other and have yes, it wrong. Yes. Oh, well, I'm glad I didn't actually get the answer to that wrong then. But how no, you did very well. Full how mark, well, I think it might have been a guess, but I always assumed Pressburg was more, you know, more useful on my production side. But it's been a long time since I even thought about it. Anyway, well, I very, envious of, very envious of your correspondence, James. But sadly, it has come to the end of the Business of Film for another week. James will, of course, be back with more at the same time next week. Did you just look at me? Did you? Look at me. Look at me. How dare you? Close your eyes. There are no two words in the English language more harmful than good job. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. <laughs>